and we welcome you to another edition of Being Well Informed. We are so happy that you joined us on this fine afternoon. My name is Claudia Barber. I am the host, and I am pleased and honored to have with uh, us on this fine day uh, the Honorable Delegate Brooke Learman. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. It's great to be here with you. Thanks so much for having me today. Wonderful. You are such a formidable uh, candidate who is running for Maryland Comptroller and uh, shattering ceilings and... and um, Trying, well, trying. Trying, trying. Uh, yes, uh, but uh, excited about your campaign. And uh, I am just thrilled that uh, you are here today as part of Being Well Informed. This podcast airs every week and we try to choose guests who are up and coming and rising and topics of interest and trending topics in particular. And of course, the Office of the Comptroller is uh, a very important. Uh, number one, it is going to be a newly filled spot uh, this election season. And um, you have decided to run for Maryland Comptroller. Uh, and, and and it's already a, a historic way, in a historic way, because you've, uh, you've become the nominee on the Democratic side uh, of this particular um uh, race. So what inspired you to run for office as Maryland's comptroller? Thank you for that question. And I think exactly what you said, you know, this is the first time since 1998 that there has been an open seat for state comptroller. Um, so this is truly an historic election year. We haven't had in Maryland um, an open seat for all of our constitutional offices in over 100 years, right? And so it has been quite a while as well since there's been an open seat for Comptroller, and we've never had a woman. Um, and I have, I really believe that this is the year that we can choose to be bold so that we do better for Marylanders. And um, we have an incredible Democratic ticket. We're all working together, you know, Westmore and Aruna Miller, Anthony Brown, uh, Chris Van Hollen for U.S. Senate, so many incredible Congress members of Congress and people running for county executive. And I'm thrilled to be a part of that, um, really. And so really, I'm running because I believe the Comptroller's Office is uniquely situated to really tackle many of the economic challenges and the income-based issues that are affecting so many families, small businesses. And because of all of the federal money that's coming in over the next few years because of mm -hmm. the Federal Infrastructure Act, mm -hmm. this is sort of a once-in-a-lifetime moment for Maryland to ensure that we're using that money to change outcomes for the better, to really to make Maryland look better, not just for the next four years, but for the next 40 years to come. And uh, because of my experience and where I am, I just I, I believe that I can bring people together to make sure we do just that. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you are doing right now. Sure, sure. So I'm really excited. Um, you know, I'm a public school mom uh, here in Baltimore City and a public school graduate of uh, Montgomery County Public Schools, actually uh, moved to Baltimore after law school. 
I'm also a civil rights and disability rights attorney, and I have been a state delegate from Baltimore for the past two terms, uh, so for the past eight years. I've sat on the Appropriations Committee, on the Environment, Transportation, and Housing Committee. Um, I chair the Joint Committee on Pensions. Um, and so I, I have experience in a, you know, working with the Comptroller's Office, passing legislation, understanding what it does and how it we can really take it to the next level. Um, and, you know, my work in the state legislature, I've always aimed to be an incredible advocate for my constituents, you know, first and foremost, right? When they need something, they call me because they know that I'm going to answer and they know I'll show up and that I'll be there for them. Um, you know, just this week uh, with the water crisis in part of Baltimore, mm -hmm. um, there were a number of senior centers and senior housing units that Catholic Charities runs, and they were very concerned that they would not have access to water. I was able to connect Catholic Charities uh, with somebody who had access to pallets of water. Um, you know, I will say, you know, she called and uh, an hour later, I was connecting her to somebody. During the pandemic, I brought in World Central Kitchen to help make sure that we were feeding our families and young people. And we partnered with Baltimore City Schools and Baltimore City to adopt um, over uh, 11 schools, I think, around the city uh, to serve tens of thousands of meals every week for six months. So I love doing this kind of work. And at the state level, I've really built broad coalitions to tackle many of the challenges in the state, affordable housing, high-speed broadband for every every family and business in the state, um, exp ensuring that we're funding our public schools equitably, right, and building new schools that are worthy of our kids. Um, these are the kinds of bills, preventing gun violence, um, created the first community-based gun violence prevention program in the state. So I've loved doing this work and know that I can take it to make sure that we uh, create a comptroller's office that's working for everybody. Do you think the city water problems, will they be resolved and how? It's a great question. So they announced today that they have resolved them. Um, they, they, did, uh, they did do additional testing and now there's been negative tests for E. coli for the past few tests. So it's safe according to both the city and the Maryland Department of the Environment. But I think it- That's good news. Yeah, so it is good. It's great, it's great. But I think, you know, this issue, along with what we're seeing in Georgia and in Jackson, right, it points to a larger challenge of water infrastructure, really aging water infrastructure. Fortunately, the federal government, you know, did pass legislation to send money to states to update their water infrastructure. Well, we have to make sure that that money gets spent wisely, right, that it actually helps solve the problem. And all of those grant dollars will go through the Board of Public Works, which the comptroller sits on at the state level. So we need to make sure that those grants are um, that we're holding ourselves accountable, that they're solving the problem um, and that we're building climate resilient water systems um, that will last decades to come. Now, Baltimore City also has had this issue over ventilation, be it heating or cooling, uh, air conditioning systems uh, uh, in the city schools. Uh, how can that problem also be tackled? Yes, it's an important question. You know, we had the oldest schools or Baltimore City, you know, when I say we, Baltimore City had the oldest schools in the state um, and had not built a new school in nearly 50 years until about five years ago. And now I'm very proud that Baltimore City has built 
I'm going to go out on a limb here and say more new schools um, in the past five years than nearly any other urban school district in America. Um, and that was made possible with a partnership of the state, right? By the state, the city and city schools all working together to put their money together um, so that we could bond it um, and issue, so that they could issue bonds and use that money um, to build new schools. It's become, you know, a reality. Um, fortunately, uh, unfortunately, I should say, the air conditioning problems are not as simple as like putting a window unit in an unair conditioned classroom because the buildings are so old that the electrical systems would just die if you did that in many of the schools without AC. Um, so the heating problems have been solved, but the air conditioning problems in some of the schools remain. There is a plan on the books and every school um, does have a plan now to make sure that there is air conditioning um, or that the or that that school is retired because um, some schools are closing right in the next couple of years. Um, so, you know, paying millions of dollars to put a new AC system in for just one year, although, you know, we would save a couple days of school like it's it, it wouldn't be um, it makes sense to make sure that we're putting those kids into a, you know, into a brand new building altogether. Um, so we're working hard to make sure that every school is worthy of our children, but we have more work to do, you know, and as the next comptroller, I'll make sure we focus on every Maryland child having access to a great school. Now, you, how do you envision the role of a comptroller? Sure. Well, I, you know, the comptroller's office is this, uh, is a very wide ranging office. It is both um, one of only three statewide elected, independently elected officials in Maryland, right? We've got the governor, the attorney general, and the comptroller. And so it's an important statewide voice. And as, um, as one of those three statewide voices, I'm excited to use my voice to make sure that as the elected CFO of the state, we're talking about and bringing people together to solve uh, the racial wealth divide in the state, that we're thinking through how we fund our public schools, that we're ensuring that we're tackling the challenge of climate change and the impacts that it will have on our water systems, on our communities around the state. There are big issues that we need to be preparing for in addition to keeping our AAA bond rating, right? So that's one. Number two, the comptroller sits on a number of very important state boards, including the State Retirement and Pension Board and the Board of Public Works. And as a, I, I chair the Oversight Committee for, Oversight Committee for Pensions Now, and so I'm looking forward to ensuring that our pension system is invested wisely, that it is there for our retirees when they need it, um, and that they always have access to the help that they need. And on the Board of Public Works, I, the comptroller is really the independent advocate, the people's advocate, the people's voice for ensuring that we're using our tax dollars to get best value, right? Whether that's, you know, and for all contracts, um, whether it's for updating our water infrastructure, building new schools, it's about ensuring that we're keeping those dollars local in the state of Maryland, that we're meeting and exceeding our minority business enterprise goals, right? So that we're building wealth around the state. Um, so, and then finally, the tax administrator, right? Oh, I always feel bad reminding people, but I'm running to be the yeah. tax administrator. But there's so much we can do there to modernize our systems to make it easier to pay taxes, and importantly, to make it easier to claim the tax credits that you're owed, right? Mm -hmm. So many families 
who are owed a tax credit, like the earned income tax credit or the brand new senior tax credit we passed, they don't know that they qualify. The comptroller does though, the comptroller sees the numbers. So the com I'm focused on making sure that the comptroller is really an advocate for people and ensuring that they get what is owed to them. So well, you, you mentioned, right, the, you know, you mentioned the uh, brand new senior tax. Can you, a credit, can you elaborate on that? Sure. So the General Assembly this year passed a tax credit um, for seniors who earn um, up to $100,000 in retirement income as a single or up to $150,000 in retirement income as a couple. Um, and the tax credit, I believe, is up to $1,500. And they can claim that on their tax forms next year. Um, and it's to help. You know, we understand that Maryland is an expensive state. And when you're living on a fixed income, it can be incredibly challenging. And so especially with inflation, the General Assembly wanted to you know, do something to help defray some of those costs. I think there's more to do to make sure that people can age, um, can age in place, can thrive mm -hmm. in Maryland, choose not to leave. But I think it was a good first step. Wonderful. Now, we've also in the last year or two have seen gas uh, prices go way up. And then there was this uh, period where we got some relief and we go, oh, my goodness. Then we found out that another gas tax was kicking in. Uh, but then we found out at the presidential level, I don't know what President Biden did, but my goodness, I'm saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to going down. Down yeah. gallon gas anymore. Yes, it's going down. I mean, they've been going down for months now. Um, and, you know, I think uh, it, it's it's great to see, you know, the the extended period of super high gas prices that some had feared are, are it's not happening. Right. They're go, continuing to go down. You know, I think I was actually just listening to something today and they were talking about how things are in Europe. Right. Because of the Russian war um, in Ukraine in and Ukraine, the effects yes. that that is having around the world too, which is really challenging. So we need a comptroller who, when these big things happens, centers their decision-making around families, right? And making sure that we are using the perspective of somebody who's a family um, in Maryland, who's trying to make ends meet, just make sure that we are an advocate. I'm excited to be an advocate for families, to ensure that our communities are always at the center of every decision that we're making. That's wonderful. I am so glad to, to, to hear family first, mm -hmm. because that is just such a major consideration. Uh, when I was researching actually the handling of school construction projects, I was not aware that there was an interagency commission on school construction. How does that work? Sure. So the IAC, as we call it, the Interagency uh, Committee on School Construction, um, has the job of overseeing all, working with all of the different jurisdictions around the state to be the, uh, to, to make sure that it's a partnering to help build um, and approve projects moving forward. Um, and so it's really about making sure that our juris local jurisdictions are spending, um, are being held accountable, but that they also have a partner at the state level um, to move state money to the locals to start building new schools. Um, so there are a number of different initiatives that the IAC does, but it's an important component of ensuring that 
you know, that we're using our money in a way that's really thoughtful um, because we want every child across the state to be learning in a first class building. Right. And unfortunately, that's, that's not the case right now, though. I mean, Absolutely. we know it's not the case in most in many jurisdictions. And so there's just much more work to be done. And the IAC is tasked with creating a list of all of the schools, ranking them, determining which ones have the most need um, so that we can be so that we can ensure that we're thinking through in an equitable way how to spend our dollars. So mold remediation uh, sometimes, I guess, is an issue of, uh, for some schools. And so when that ranking occurs, I gather, uh, do they rank them based on such issues as uh, mold in the schools? So there is a um, the IAC has a, a whole list, a big rubric of how it's doing its facility inventory. Okay. Um, and I'm happy to share it online. But yes, there's a there's a huge database or a, a, lar- a, a large number of factors that they take into account. That's good. That's good. During the tenure of the last Board of Public Works, there was stagnation in handling the issue of compensation for wrongly convicted citizens who spent decades in prison for crimes they did not commit. And I also remember that it took too long. And I'm not sure, I believe the state legislature addressed some of this, but what solutions do you have for this issue going forward in compensating victims sooner? It's a really important issue, you know, and most people don't realize the extent of what the Board of Public Works does, right? It's responsible for approving, you know, basically every expenditure that the state makes. And the comptroller, of course, is a part of that Board of Public Works. Um, So I actually, as an attorney, I have represented um, uh, an individual who was wrongfully convicted and served 25 years for a crime he didn't commit. And we sued the Baltimore Police Department and eventually settled and got him the largest settlement in uh, Baltimore Police Department history. But it took years, right? Wonderful. Yes. Um, and so it's it's much more efficient and fair if you don't have to go through that huge lawsuit process, right? Um, so the General Assembly got involved Agreed. because yes. we were frustrated um, mm-hmm. with how things were going. And we passed the Walter Lomax Act in 2021. And this law created a formula to determine the funding um, that an individual who was wrongfully convicted should receive. And that formula is based on the number of days confined um, and annual median income. Um, So there's a, I was really proud to vote for that. It's important, um, a really important bill to make sure that we're doing the small thing. I mean, we can never make up for the injustice that has occurred. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have lost and sometimes the bulk of their lives, right, in yes. jail for something they didn't do. But what we can do is make sure that they have a roof over the head, that they're financially secure, right, for their fi- remaining years. And that's what the Walter Lomax Act is all about. Um, and that's the bill that we passed last year in the General Assembly. So does the does the Walter Lomax Act go as far as providing some type of health insurance or or um, uh, some type of uh, uh, future compensation uh, for, I guess, their career and their their livelihood. Yeah, so that's what it does. So it 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 basically makes changes to existing provisions 
um, pertaining to the payments by the Board of Public Works. So the bill um, creates criteria for eligibility. It says that administrative law judges must make findings on eligibility and compensation, and then that's presented to the Board of Public Works. So the Board of Public Works just signs off on it, basically. Um, but it's a much more formulaic so that there is not sort of this injustice related to it. But the ALJ, the administrative law judge, makes the findings um, mm -hmm. and and can take into account, you know, their education and training, um, housing accommodations, um, you know, access to enrollment um, to for tuition at, um, you know, at, at community colleges um, and, and things like that. So the ALJ does have some discretion and then makes a recommendation to the Board of Public Works. Are they able to make upward departures uh, from uh, the the norm in, in terms of their calculation of, of uh, anticipated compensation for them? There is discretion, um, so cool. they're able to um, to do that. Yep, that's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. What makes you different from your opponent? I'm a Democrat. No, <laughs> um, I'm a woman. <laughs> um, this is the obvious. Um, no, look, I. I believe fundamentally the comptroller, our next comptroller has to be a leader, right? Who embraces creative ideas um, that range from the big to the small, right? We have to make sure that it, we are focused on the big picture of the economy to make sure that families, small businesses, communities are not being left behind, that we're growing our economy in a way that works for everybody but we also have to sweat the small stuff. We have to make sure the phone gets picked up, right? We have to make sure we're doing our tax return filings on time. We have to make sure that our communities, families, and small businesses have access, easy access to state programs and benefits, right? To me, I'm focused on making sure the comptroller's office works for families, works for small businesses, and works for communities. And is truly present and proactive in a way that it's an advocate for everybody who needs it. Um, and that's what I'm excited to do if I'm elected as an ex-comptroller. What role do comptrollers play in procurement in Maryland? So a great question. Um, so the comptroller sits on the Board of Public Works. And the Board of Public Works is a three-person body, the governor, the comptroller, and the treasurer. Um, that has to approve nearly every contract that the state enters into. So all procurement contracts, right? If we're building a highway or building a school uh, or giving money for a broadband contract or water infrastructure or payments to an um, individual who's been wrongfully convicted, right? That all goes through the Board of Public Works. In addition, the Board of Public Works writes all of our procurement regulations. So the devil's in the details a lot of the time, right? And that's our regu those are our regulations. And the Board of Public Works is responsible for ensuring that our regulations work for Marylanders. And I'm excited to both make sure that our regulations prioritize and work with um, to achieve best value for our tax dollars um, and recognize that 
we have MBE goals that we are not meeting and we must, right? We have to make sure that we are increasing the number of bids for contracts, that we're reaching out to, to people who have never been involved in state contracting and ensuring that the contracting process is open and available in a real way, not just on paper, but that we're reaching out to, you know, I met this wonderful um a uh, black woman who owns her own architecture firm recently. And she was really frustrated about the state procurement process. It felt very opaque to her. And, you know, we as Marylanders are losing out when she can't put a bid in. We don't want single source, sole source contracts, right? We want competition and we want to make sure that we can benefit from her creative talents, right? So it's important that we open up our contracting process and that we are transparent and accountable um, in everything that we're doing. And that's what I'll be focused on as the people's advocate on the Board of Public Works. Wonderful. Well, we're so glad that you stopped by and joined us this uh, day uh, to be on our program because it meant so much to us. We thank you very much for being a part of being well-informed. We My wish the best for you, candidate for Comptroller, Rook Learman. Have thank a you wonderful so much. Day. Have a good thank one. You. Thank you.